Bonnie Glazer, Director of the Asia Program at the German Marshall Fund of the United States. In today's episode of China Global, we're going to dig into China's Global Development Initiative. The Global Development Initiative, or GDI, was launched by Xi Jinping in a speech at the general debate of the 76th session of the UN General Assembly on September 21st, 2021. And in that speech, he said that in the face of the severe shocks of COVID-19, the world needs to work together to steer global development toward a new stage of balanced, coordinated, and inclusive growth. The GDI, he said, is a plan to achieve those objectives and to help achieve the United Nations 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. This past January, the group of friends of the GDI was launched at the United Nations, and more than 55 countries have joined the group so far. Most PRC initiatives begin as bumper stickers and are described using somewhat vague and abstract language, and the GDI is no exception. So to help us unpack the GDI and its potential impact, we are delighted to have as our guest today, Dr. Yu Jie. She is a senior research fellow on China in the Asia-Pacific program at Chatham House in London. Welcome to China Global, Jie. Oh, thank you so much, Bernie. I'm so delighted to join you today to have this conversation. Well, let's start by talking about what you think Beijing wants to achieve through the GDI. Why is this initiative being pushed now? What are the broader foreign policy goals that GDI is intended to advance? Well, I think the two reasons why Beijing pushed for this. Um, firstly, I think it's almost like a revitalization of the Belt and Road Initiative, as we know that the BRI in the past eight years running highs and lows, and it has not really achieved the results as what the Chinese government intended. So obviously, the Chinese government felt they perhaps need to offer some kind of booster on its development assistance for the global south. So that's one of the reasons why GDI has been put forward by Xi Jinping at UN General Assembly. Now, one of the key drawbacks for the BRI has been heavily criticized for being too China-focused and China-centered. Well, these ideas of GDI, just really judging by word, literally, you do not really feel it's actually China-led initiative at all, global development initiative. So the world of China has been taken completely out of this. So that is what China intends to achieve, intends to plan the agenda without the look of being too China-centered. Now, secondly, I think this is also to do with that the Western community, so in general, United States and Europe are quite busy with its own domestic issues and economic recovery. However, the large part of the global south would much hope that they could really come out of this COVID and come back to the economic recovery through the development assistance that will be able to offer by whatever the countries will be able to offer. So I think China is really intent to ink its importance in that rather blank canvas of the so-called global south and determine the rules and determine the terms and conditions. So I think that's the second reason. So these two reasons that add together, and Xi Jinping has chosen the right platform, which is the UN General Assembly, a platform that Beijing has always preferred to launch whatever the policy initiatives in the past. So GDI, it is not an exception. So Xi Jinping has talked um, for years, uh, beginning shortly after he came to power, about the uh, importance of reforming global governance. And first he said that China 
uh, would participate in global governance reform. And then he said China would guide global governance reform. And then I think it was June of 2018, he said China should lead global governance reform. So is this GDI intended to promote China's vision for global governance? Um, and is it also connected perhaps to China's desire to further increase its role in the United Nations? Well, I think the second reason you gave it, um, I think China already expanded its influence in the, within the United Nations. And partially it's because United Nations is the only international organization that influence of the United States remain quite limited. Secondly, I think what Xi Jinping has put forward to, since he came to power, this whole notion of the so-called discursive power, the ability to shape the international agenda from the very beginning of that debate, and obviously, given China's record on the so-called poverty elevation, given China's own record of economic performance, that presidency feel rightly that China would have the credibility to be offered something additional. Therefore, hence this new idea of reform the global governance. But however, I think we need to be careful in here that when we're talking about China's intention to reform the global governance, China has not reformed the so-called global governance in a wholesale manner but rather in a la carte manner. So pick and choose. Choose the areas where China felt itself be able to contribute and also China set example. Uh, for example, the establishment of Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank. I mean, that's a clear example for it. But China, to some extent, has also been a total outlier on certain aspects of global governance. For example, on the debate on cybersecurity governance, that's a total outlier. So I think China's responses in here is quite mixed bag. And by chance, on development assistance is one of those areas that China really prefer to put forward and cast its voice for it. You mentioned the Belt and Road Initiative, so I wanted to uh, hear how you think that GDI is related uh, to Belt and Road. Is this ultimately going to supplant uh, the BRI? We've recently seen, for example, the Biden administration, which had pushed Build Back Better World, now has replaced this by with the Partnership for Global Infrastructure Initiative. Uh, so I'm wondering, is, is China trying to rebrand its BRI or will BRI and GDI coexist? Um, I think it's more likely that the two initiatives coexist. If you look into the BRI, the focus has now clearly shifted into a regional initiative that give much focus on China's near neighbor, namely Southeast Asia, South Asia, and Central Asia, less so about further afar. Whereas the GDI, for me, seems to um, encompassing the across the globe, so large part of Africa, Latin America, and Eastern Europe should also be included. Now, if you also look into the um, nature of the BRI, most of the nature of BRI is based on physical infrastructure, and less so on digital infrastructure, less so on co-financing certain products and certain projects, whereas the GDI have more element of the digital contents, and secondly, also have more elements of relying on multilateral institutions to co-financing on certain um, infrastructure projects, less so about China itself paying the bill. So I want to talk a little bit about what we know so far about the resources that China is putting into GDI. Uh, in, in early June, uh, China's ambassador to Cyprus published an article in which he said the GDI has coordinated uh, resources for development 
And then in late June, Xi Jinping gave a speech in which he said China will allocate more resources for global development cooperation through the GDI. Obviously, these are very general statements. Uh, but do you know uh, what kind of resources China is putting into this project? Sure. Um, so far, there has been very limited exposure um, from public available sources that where the, the GDI has been put into. Now, what I've noticed that in the public sources, that seems to be there's a lot of political campaign, the efforts has been made by Chinese diplomatic service to promote this initiative, and less so about substantive projects that have been put forward to. So what I've found is quite curious that after nearly a year of the launch of this entire initiative, it seems to be quite high in political rhetoric, but very low in substance. Um, so this makes me wonder, at the end of the day, firstly, does Beijing have a sufficient resource to put forward this initiative? And secondly, how wholeheartedly that Beijing is interested in to make sure that it is very much in line with what they intend to achieve? So these are two doubts which I've raised myself as well. I wonder if um, Chinese think tanks and universities are investigating this. I remember when BRI was first launched in 2013 and all of these new research organizations popped up, you know, in China to study the BRI, to flesh it out, to provide policy proposals. Are we seeing this with the GDI as well? Well, not just the Chinese think tanks. I think the Western think tanks is the same. Um, no, I don't really see such wave of concentration of focus on this particular th thematic subject of the study of the GDI at all. As I said earlier, so far what I've seen is that diplomats in China has um, relentlessly tried is their very best to try to say this is so important and this is different from the BRI but it does not really come up with any substantial or flagship projects as you have for the BRI, for example. You have the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor. Um, you don't really see much so far has been, been mentioned within GDI at all. All I know so far is this so-called group of friends of the GDI has been launched um, in New York in January um, this year. But how much this would really translate into, as we know, these are all beautiful words, but how far this would really translate into deeds, and let's wait and see. Xi Jinping said that the plan would speed up the implementation of the UN 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. In what way can China's um, new development initiative help achieve some of those goals um, regarding, you know, supporting uh, less developed countries in particular. And at this particular moment, we, of course, have many countries whose economies have been hit hard by the pandemic. Um, and there are issues that uh, are very much at the front and center of the global development agenda, like managing food security um, and assisting green sustainable uh, development. Are these the priorities? And do you think China can have a big impact in these areas? Well, surely the areas of food security, that is a completely separate conversation after war in Ukraine, because every single country is concerned about its own food security, and likewise China is the same. So that is a separate issue. But I think what China is really intended to do, and give a very strong emphasis, is firstly on its vaccine diplomacy through the GDI, if you have looked at the document. A vaccine diplomacy is one thing, and secondly, it is also on green transition or sustainability practice. So obviously, this is also to do with that China itself would like to 
upgrade is export. So part of the key upgrade, key sector, would be renewable energy equipments that China will be able to sell to the rest of the world in order to generate export earnings. So that's why China somehow combines its domestic economic planning, whereas on the other hand, and also make itself as being a preferred partner to choose to achieve this sense of a sustainable development. So I think that's what China is trying to do, try to link any foreign affairs initiative into domestic economic planning. You talked earlier about the BRI and some of the challenges that uh, China encountered in implementing BRI projects. And, and of course, some of those included some concerns about debt sustainability, negative impact on the environment. Um, in some cases, there was hiring of Chinese labor instead of local labor. So do you think that China has done a comprehensive assessment and is now going to try and avoid these kinds of problems in the new global development initiative? Do you have confidence that these have been digested and that China's approach will be different going forward? I mean, surely Beijing is aware of um, such issues long exist when they come to the practice of BRI. Um, the problem in here is that while Beijing can decide um, how they want to um, change its behavior, and in particularly hiring more local laborers and benefiting to the local communities. But it's all up to the, the players for the BRI, or ultimately the players for the GDI, to decide what kind of laborers they would like to hire and what kind of projects they want to run and how sustainable the finances will become. So I think, yes, Beijing may have some good idea want to change its own behavior or improve the standard of the existing projects, but on the other hand, when it comes to the players, whether those players will follow the suit, that's another question. So the problem for the BRI is there are too many cooks in this one soup. And then at the end of the day, the flavor of the soup is not always what a senior leader intended. Uh, so far, the GDI hasn't really drawn much attention or commentary from Western governments. But as you said, there's the friends of the GDI. Um, I'm assuming um, that most, if not all of those, are from the global south, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, which countries are most interested in joining the GDI? Um, are, are these basically the same countries as those that joined the Belt and Road? I think you might find very similar patterns in here, predominantly the Global South countries, and also predominantly the countries that felt themselves may not perhaps be able to access to the Western money, Western capital, Western development assistance, and therefore China come as the uh, ready um, <laughs> ready products or ready producer, ready suppliers um, within the market. So I think this is really the challenge now for the Western governments that at the end of the day, can they produce something that will be able to replace China's offer? So if they are be able to re uh, be able to replace China's offer, then I think initiatives such as B3W or Global Gateway will have a better chance to, to become successful. It is more about the demand um, on the ground, so the demand from the global south, and the, irrespective of whatever country will be able to satisfy that demand. Other than the goals of advancing uh, development, which I think are certainly um, a core part of what China hopes to achieve, um, and I assume to strengthen uh, ties with countries around the world that participate in GDI, uh, to what extent do you think um, 
GDI is seen by Beijing as a, a way to to shape its preferred rules and norms in global digital and climate governance um, and other you know development areas. Well, I mean, I have no doubt for that. I mean, this is certainly behind all this introduction of GDR through UN platform. It is about exerting China's influence um, within global south and also within developing countries. Um, but on the other hand, this also to do with as I said earlier, about China's own domestic economic planning is essentially providing alternative market for those Chinese companies themselves. I mean, well, within the GDI, the document has mentioned that establishment of the 5G networks across the global south. And surely the 5G networks within China, Huawei, has been completely abandoned by the West. And ultimately, they have to look into alternative market for themselves. So I think the GDI, it is not just for the Chinese government to promote its own agenda, but equally it is also for the Chinese companies that be able to looking for alternative market as well. The uh, recent BRICS summit provided uh, an opportunity for China to try and advance the global development initiative. And Xi Jinping announced an additional um, 1 billion U.S dollars to the Global Development and uh, South-South Cooperation Fund. Why do you think the BRICS is particularly seen by China as an important mechanism in promoting uh, the GDI and its development goals? Well, interestingly, BRICS is a, a block of country that more differences than similarities. So different size of the economy, different political systems as well. What China's intend to do, it is intend to using that platform that is not led by United States, because obviously you have the G7 that is largely led by United States, and then you have a G20. Again, most of the industrialized nations um, play a role within it. But however, I think for BRICS, that would really give China some kind of leeway and room to promote its own initiative. I mean, it's quite interesting that Beijing still take this concept of BRICS very seriously. Even the father of, of the BRICS, the creator of BRICS, and Jimmy O'Neill recently lamented at Financial Times saying the BRICS is dead. So I also wonder why are we going to take this notion so clearly, and especially in the aftermath of the, this war in Ukraine as well. So I don't think it's really, a, let's put it in this way, it is a good platform but it's not sufficient platform, it's not sufficient enough for China to achieve what you want. Are the other members of the BRICS part of this group of the friends of the GDI? Well, I think South Africa is one of those. Uh, Russia clearly is one of those. But again, um, Russia by no way would be a player to reform global governance, judging by its own economic condition and also judging by its limited capability. Um, in terms of development assistance. Now, South Africa is more of a recipient of the um, development assistance, less so about provider of the uh, initiative. So I think it's almost like a mismatch in here, and it's all different, uh, too many different, uh, too many discorded elements and could not really join together. Are there any other mechanisms that Beijing might try to use to push the GDI forward? 
Um, so far, I've seen very limited responses from Beijing, but I would not be surprised that Beijing might use the G20, which will happen in Indonesia this year, and to push forward on this GDI. And equally, given that China has become the largest trading partner with ASEAN, and China perhaps will also using ASEAN to promote on this GDI as well. I'm curious if you have any thoughts about the origin of uh, the GDI. I, I did research many years ago uh, with one of my friends and colleagues, Evan Medeiros, on the origins of uh, Peaceful Rise, which was uh, <laughs> Zheng Bijian's um, sure, sure. creation. Sure. And sure. Uh, of course, think tanks in China sometimes do play uh, an important role in putting forward proposals that then perhaps they get connected to the thoughts and ideas of other people in the government or the party. And then by the time that they're released, they may look quite different than the original proposal, but nevertheless might incorporate some of those initial concepts. So do you have any ideas as to where this GDI came from? Um, absolutely not. I felt is completely out of blue. But what I felt is almost like a this is the final assessment verdict uh, for the BRI after eight years that the Chinese government felt it has not really achieved what intended, and therefore they need to do some kind of repackaging and rebranding a new development initiative that is less China-centered, and that seems to be in convergence with the UN SDG, and that is something uh, which could be vague enough to include everything, but then at the end of the day, it doesn't look like something that China promote too hard. So I think GDI have served that purpose very, um, very nicely to some extent. Now, um, judging by the input, it looks like the input mostly come from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And I have not really seen other um, Chinese ministries or administrations in Beijing than heavily involved at all. And mostly at the moment is mostly MFA speaking very loudly for this GDI. The last question I wanted to ask is about the impact of China's economy, its economic slowdown, and of course, the lockdowns as a result of the efforts to combat uh, COVID-19, which um, may be uh, loosening for now, although there are new variants that are coming out and um, could be even more um, uh, contagious. And, and so my guess is that at least for some time that Xi Jinping will stick to the dynamic zero COVID policy. So do you think that this impact on the economy um, and, and of course China's economy, economic growth was slowing down anyway, is this going to have an impact on GDI? Because clearly when China launched the BRI, it was in a very different economic situation. Very much so. I think even the uh, the management of BRI has changed because of the COVID, because of the economic focus has really shifted. Remain firmly within domestic front. So if we all remember this discussion of the so-called dual circulation in the past two years, 
it's pretty much of uh, persuading the Chinese companies, whatever invested abroad, and shifting its financial resources, allocated its financial resources back home, and focusing on the key regions. So South Asia, Southeast Asia, these are the key regions that um, the Chinese government intends to focusing on. So I think on the GDI, what you're going to see is you're going to see a bigger, a greater tendency that the Chinese government will asking multilateral financial institutions jointly co-financing certain initiatives or certain specific projects, you will see that it is not just um, any new capitals or fresh state capital being pledged, but instead you'll be repackaging some existing BRI projects into this GDI. So I think the Chinese government has now become quite Pennywise, to some extent, if you look into carefully look into the China Africa Forum um, last year, you notice that the Chinese um, FDI and also development assistance towards Africa has gradually in decline, have not really increased at all. So I think this is largely reflecting on the economic situation back home, and also given we're now just on the verge of nearly a recession for the Chinese economy, and perhaps I think. The administration in Beijing will have to rethink when they come to to what extent the cost of the GDI will become a more asset for China, but not necessarily a liability for China. We've been talking with Dr. Yu Jie. She's a senior research fellow on China in the Asia Pacific Program at Chatham House in London. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Bernie. Do have me? Really, really delighted to have this conversation with you.